0: You're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 12 of the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer. I'm here as always with my
2: good friend, Matt Hartwell. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, buddy. Still trying to trudge through this uh this postseason delay here, but it's better to have a postseason delay than no postseason, so I'm loving it. Ain't that the
1: truth, man? And and then uh I'm really appreciative, Matt, that you actually uh have introduced me to our new guest. We have a very special guest on the show, Andrew Bailey with Mason and Brew. Andrew, what's up? I'm good, man. Thanks
0: for having me. You know, living the dream, fighting the cold, beating pregnancy test, usual.
1: <laughs> All right. I can tell this is already going to be a good show, man. Uh, what, are, what are you working on right now, Andrew? I, I actually listened to uh, your pod out of the blue this week. It was great. You got anything else going on? Uh, yeah, man. A lot coming
0: up this week on Mazenbrew.com. For me personally, uh, Jared and I are interviewing Desmond Howard on Tuesday. So be expecting that Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. I have two articles coming at the front end of the week talking about the team comparing 2022 to 2021, uh, talking about the value of Mikey Sandra still, and then a little Christmas wish list in the week.
1: Man, you name dropped Desmond Howard in the first two minutes of the show. Like, come on, dude. That's just like we, we can just, <laughs> we can just wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> well let's go man uh let's jump right in we've got some really cool stuff to talk about even though michigan has not been playing football uh they've been making some moves and uh it's also award season so let i want to talk a little bit about some of the awards we talked about olu last week he had a really big week and then uh blake Corum, even though he didn't win the Doak walker he uh has become a unanimous all-american and for the listeners um my understanding of unanimous versus consensus is there's five major outlets that vote on these things. And if you get three of the five, you're a consensus All-American. If you get all five, you're a unanimous All-American. So it's it's actually pretty rare. Um, Blake Corum is a unanimous All-American. And so I'm going to go ahead and ask the question, um, where does Blake Corum rank all time amongst Michigan running backs? And Andrew, since you're the guest of the show, I'm going to let you uh, take a stab at this first. Uh, thanks, man. Um, this
0: this was really hard. You sent me this question. I went back and forth for a long time because Michigan has a rich tradition of great running backs, power running backs, your typical bell cow. And I concluded, you know, based off this season, what he meant. I'd like quorum fourth as the best of the best Michigan running backs. I went Mike Hart tyrone wheatley jamie morris for having such a lame name with such a dynamic and amazing player uh blake quorum for and then have him right above chris perry and anthony thomas who both have an argument Corum's uh, quorum's value just can't be understated like while it may not like if you look back flash on the stat sheet what he meant how he went out everything that was going on with him this season just the overall importance for him can't be understated
1: wow that's a little higher than i expected you know i've I posed this question on Twitter uh, this week, and I had some people that you know, prisoner of the moment. People they're like number one all time, and it's like I, I love Blake Corum, but like you're kind of being a prisoner of the moment if 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 you're a real Michigan fan and you and you put him that high. But four is uh you know for for a, a school that has such a rich tradition and you know at the running back position, four is pretty high. I like that, uh, Mr. Hartwell. What you got?
2: And you know, I uh, I also have to just piggyback off of Andrew's uh, optimism for the current Michigan team, you know, because I also have Blake or I actually have him a spot higher. I have him at uh, third behind Wheatley and Mike Hart. But uh, you know, I I also don't can't take credit for having the privilege of watching a lot of those Michigan teams of old. I've been mean, in my uh, younger 30s, you know what I mean? So, obviously, I've, I've heard legend of of uh, a lot of guys that date back farther than that. But I've got Blake Coram securely right there at third on my list. So, who's one and two? Uh, Wheatley and Mike
1: Hart. Interesting. Okay, I, lo- I like that Wheatley's up there. Um, you guys are putting them right up there on the, the Mount Rushmore of Michigan running backs, which I love. I I actually don't have him that high because I started to really think about it and for me personally when you look at uh an entire career uh what guys have done against Ohio State, what guys have done against Michigan State, the big games, Big 10 championships, um and then of course cumulative yards and touchdowns. I got four guys and I I'm not going to put them in any order, but I got four guys that I think you have to start with when you talk Michigan running back and I think I think that's Tyrone Wheatley, Mike Hart, Anthony Thomas, and Chris Perry for me. And Anthony Thomas and Chris Perry are kind of I, I go back and forth between which yeah, they're kind of a, a very similar uh career path and vibe. And I yeah, I go back and forth on which one of those is higher. But um, and then and then you you get to number five, and that's when I feel like you you start to look at guys like Blake Corum and maybe even Bianca Batuka. But for me. You know, I, I got to put Hassan Haskins up there just based on what he did last year. Five touchdowns against Ohio State. Um, absolutely killed it. Tw- 20 rushing touchdowns, Michigan record. And so even though his career wasn't as uh, cumulatively impressive, I think Haskins is number five. So for me, Blake Corum is still number six. Um, and that and, and I absolutely love Blake Corum. Let's see, maybe he'll come back and, and move his way up the list. God, no love for my boy,
0: Jamie Morris here.
1: Yeah, Uh. you know, know, so I was born in 87, and so that makes me 35, if anybody's trying to do the math out there. I, I, you know, I don't specifically remember watching Jamie Morris play, and so, but I do know, I mean, I know all about him. I, I actually don't really remember watching Tyrone Wheatley play either, but I've seen I've seen just the Washington game in '92 and all these other games that, that Wheatley was just a man amongst boys, and so I, I know his value. But uh, yeah, maybe I'm just not maybe I'm not giving Jamie Morris the love he deserves. So it's his—he was just very
0: dynamic as a runner and a catcher. And for like this exercise, I really tried to look at Michigan running backs really 1980 and forward. Like you can dive into the '70s with a few other guys. But like really from that point on is when I look at modern football and Morris was just really dynamic in 87, the year you were born. So shout out to you and Jamie Morris, Uh, averaged six yards a carry and rushed for over 1700, added in uh, another 19 catches, 15 total touchdowns. And the year before he had a thousand and the year before that he had a thousand and averaged over five yards a carry in each one. So he really stands out to me as like. When I think about Michigan running backs, I kind of start with Jamie Morris as terms of like top tier and then move forward. Everything you said about Wheatley is correct. Like he's a man amongst boys, did have the benefit of playing with some outstanding lines and players on the outside to open things up for him. Uh, Anthony Thomas never really did it for me. Like he was really good and I love Thomas because he was so reliable, but it was really like four yards and fall over. And uh, at a time, like I like a little excitement in my life and that just didn't do it for me.
1: Yeah, a- A-Train was my guy during, like, it, that was my coming of age, you know, in Michigan football. He had 95, 96, and then 97, of course, when it was Anthony Thomas's, uh freshman year. And so I just, he was like the first, like, real power back I remember for Michigan. So he's got a special place in my heart. Um, Matt, any, any uh, finishing touches on the running back conversation?
2: yeah I love the honorable mention of uh Hassan haskins honestly, <laughs> just because uh would people ask me who my favorite Michigan player? Obviously, maybe he doesn't rank up there in like the greatest Michigan running backs to ever touch a football um i I would say he's top ten maybe, but uh, I think Hassan haskins when he was on the field for his tenure during his time at the University of Michigan there was no guy that wanted that yard more on the field than Hassan Haskins. And you could just see how uh, the passion that that guy ran with and that he just moved the pile with. So when people ask me who one of my favorite Michigan players is in general, it'll always be Hassan Haskins. He'll be up there and probably my top three just because I just love that guy. He's one of my favorite Wolverines to ever do it, and uh, he always will be. Well, he's right in that um, uh, Bianca Batuca range, had
0: a very similar career. So Haskins had the one year with all the rushing touchdowns. Bianca Batuca had the yards and both of that signature Ohio State game. So I love you putting him up there because he arguably has the single greatest Michigan running back moment in history. So, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a very strong selling point.
1: Yeah, and I'm not a church going person, uh, so to speak, but if I did go to church, I would want to go to one that has that that picture of Hassan Haskins elevating above the Ohio State Buckeyes for the score and stained glass behind the preacher. Like that like that. That's my that's my uh, description of a spiritual experience right there. Like I, I will always remember Hassan Haskin for those moments. I just have one of him cosplaying as Jesus in my house. I just took it a step further.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna see if my
1: I'm gonna see if my wife will let me paint that on the garage door on the front of our house. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Hang it in know, the Louvre. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I uh, so I mentioned Mount Rushmore. So that's a really good segue to uh, my new favorite college football award, which actually may in fact be as big as Mount Rushmore uh michigan just announced it was it was just announced michigan won the joe moore award again uh for the best offensive line in the country uh i believe that 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 makes michigan the first school to ever win that in back-to-back years um any thoughts on the offensive line guys
2: i'll uh i'll let my buddy andrew cook on this one first
0: Oh, man, I, I love this. This is my favorite award in college football because the criteria for it is just it's designed by meatheads for meatheads. It is fantastic the way they break things down. They value finishing and punishing blocks more than exact technique. So it's really subjective and it's a lineman's award from lineman. And this is fantastic, man. Sharon Moore has been an offensive line coach for two years and has won this award back to back for the first time ever. Joins Alabama as the only two time winner of it. And Schroen Moore, I'm going to just go ahead and say it, he's the best offensive line coach in the country. While he's been coaching offensive line, they've been the best position group in the country. So I don't know what other defense I need besides that. But this year's award, I think, really even stands above last year's because they had to do it with so many people. You had to rotate Giovanni Hadi in the left guard a lot. You had to shuffle it around with Trevor Keegan in and out. You had to shuffle it with Barnhart, Trente Jones, Jeffrey Percy minutes. came against Rutgers out of nowhere. And again, they didn't miss a beat. And this happened last year, but not to this degree and not over this sustained amount of time during the season. So tremendous honor by them, man. No team deserved it more. And uh, Stetson Bennett can suck it for his uh,
1: publicly just cries for his team to win it. So he can deal with it. Well, we may we may <laughs> uh, get get a matchup against uh, Stetson Bennett. We, you know, I would love to see the two O lines going going at each other there, uh, Matt. Uh, what do you think about this back-to-back Joe Moore award?
2: Well, I would absolutely uh, echo what Andrew said. This is 100% a, not even just a, a better offensive line unit, but it is so much deeper than it was a season ago. And you just see it with the emergence of guys like G.O.L. Hadi and uh, just everyone that stepped up, because uh, A man goes down in that offensive line, there's immediately another one that's just as talented coming right up to fill that gap. So what they've done is just so impressive. I mean, after losing guys from last year like Vistardis uh, to just turning it around, not missing a beat, winning the Joe Moore Award a second year in a row, I mean, it's just beyond impressive. Stetson Bennett, yes, suck it, Um, (laughs) turn on the tape, whatever you want to say. Uh, the Joe Moore Award belongs in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And, and uh, you know, we're going
1: to get to see that O-line cook, uh, hopefully for two more games this year. And then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting uh, a little later in the show. And, and there's some uh, good talent coming in on that O-line to back us up. And so really my, my thought uh, when I saw this was uh, all about Sharon Moore. I was just thinking because I knew we had the best offensive line in the country. I was glad to see that they they acknowledged it. But um, as as much as I want to see guys like Sharon Moore get a head coaching opportunity, I, I just I really want to see him for a couple more years. You know, I feel like he's such a uh, an integral piece of what we're doing um, at Michigan, being the O line coach. And so I don't know. Have you guys heard any rumblings? I haven't seen anything yet. Um, it might be because we're still. In the college football playoffs but have you guys heard any rumblings or anything about potential coaching opportunities for sharon so there's been some smoke around his name for several years and
0: one of the big reasons he got promoted to offensive line coach and co-oc in 2021 was the rumor was a big 12 team was about to come in with a big offer to make him their oc the school remains unnamed but that was a pretty substantiated report and what makes me feel good though about sharon moore's future prospects is he's not just going to go to any school. He turned down the chance to interview at Western Michigan. I think he's going to wait for a big one. Like if Brent Venables flames out at Oklahoma, that could be a spot. That's his alma mater. He was a guard there in the 2000s. So I think you'd keep an eye on that. But it feels like he's in a good place right now. I mean, he's having tremendous amounts of success. So why don't you just keep building that and then eventually parlay that into a big Power 5 job and not go down to the MAC or Sun Belt or one of the smaller group of five conferences?
1: Yeah, beautifully said. I you know, Oklahoma was the one that was that was sticking out to me because I knew he was a an Oklahoma player and I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma was knocking on the door a little bit last year. So, you know, I'm glad that we're we're doing what what it takes to keep him around at least for the time being and and uh the proof is in the pudding, on, you know, on on the field these guys are performing. Um let's go ahead and let's let's move on to uh a segment that we like to call she- Man, I love that. I just love that so much. I tell you what, just for just for old times' sake, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the full clip just to get us going a little bit here. Uh, JJ throwing it to double coverage to Coast and Loveland, a freshman, and he mossed them both. And it's like, sheesh,
2: you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> so this is the segment that gives us an opportunity to just say sheesh about something, right? There's there's no rules to this thing, so um, I'm interested to in, in what you guys have uh matt i'll I'll let you lead this one off uh what's your sheesh for the week
2: i'd like to for this week go a little bit off of the grid from my usual norm of our sheesh of the last couple weeks of old and uh, go with a wolverine in the nfl josh uche i mean has just been a force uh recently racking up 10 sacks on the season Uh, I I believe that ties him for ninth if what I'm what I last read was correct. But just another guy, you know what I mean? These these, you see these Wolverines, some of them that haven't even made huge impacts go on to have these enormous, successful NFL careers. And Josh Uche is somebody that I've really been happy to see come along in the NFL. You know, we've we witnessed the uh, the terror of Don Brown weigh a lot of these guys down during his time uh, with Michigan. And I think Josh Uche was one of those players and kudos to him. He's been, he's been getting his, uh, what's been coming to him and I hope it continues for him and that he continues to see success like that. Sheesh. There we go. Got to throw it in there
1: for him. Yeah. You know, Michigan, it appears to be D line you, or at least edge you in the, in, in the pros right now. And, um, Josh Uche is killing it as, as much as anybody. He's coming on strong, and I forgot the exact numbers. I think you just you just mentioned him, Matt, but his last five or six games has just been unbelievable.
2: Yeah, absolutely monstrous. Um, I just can't say enough about him. He's one of those guys that I really, I was honestly expecting him to fall flat in the league after he got there based off of his play at Michigan. You know, he wasn't uh, he wasn't Didn't jump off the page at you, but now you can kind of see maybe a lot of that was attributed to the system that he was in. And the guy is hungry to improve, and he's been doing just that. Mr. Bailey, what this week had you saying? Sheesh!
1: So I love that so much. Um, (laughs) This week,
0: I was looking a little bit ahead because it's been this downtime. You know, the TCU game is still a week away, and days are dragging. So I was thinking about Michigan's future talent next year that could be returning. And when you break it down by the numbers, you realize how many key pieces are freshmen and sophomores on this team from Rod Moore, Junior Colson, um, uh, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, players like that on the defense and then offensively if McCarthy. You have Donovan Edwards, of course, Colston Loveland, like you have all this depth and it just continues. Like Michigan has a chance to be better next year than this year, which is the winningest year in Michigan football history.
1: So that has me saying sheesh this week. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, we, we really might be entering the golden age of Michigan football, right? We're, we're, we're currently watching the winningest team of all time play and like you just mentioned, we may, in fact, be better next year with the talent returning. I'll admit, I was a little concerned with the the way the 2023 class uh was was looking. You know, it's ranked about 20th, depending on which outlet you you uh, refer to and for the recruiting rankings. and i I was sitting here thinking, well, we're not the the biggest competitors for NIL, and so incoming classes we we might struggle a little bit. Um, uh, and then I was thinking about the transfer portal, and it's like you know we're only taking grad transfers for the most part, at least up until this week we saw a lot that's mostly what we saw, and uh we have that high academic standards which could be holding back our the, you know our transfers and I was a little concerned. I was like, if we're not getting them on the front end in in uh high, out of high school and we're not getting them on the back end out of the transfer portal like we we may start to see a decline, and then of course, this week. Uh, we just went bonkers recruiting, and and uh, that it just changed my changed my whole uh, perspective of that. And so, just to echo what you said, Andrew, like it 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 it's nice to see all of the weapons that we have returning next year, and uh, we could actually become kind of the the Bama's and Crimson's that we've seen of the last decade. And so, uh, that's just an exciting time to be alive, isn't it, Matt?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've i just had to calm myself down a little bit over the last few weeks because it's just like, this was already a team that was going to return a lot next year. You know what I mean? We were already going to be good, and I was already very optimistic about that. But just seeing the additions that they've made in the transfer portal so far have been the best, in my opinion, that I've seen in uh, in quite some time from a few teams, just with the 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 holes that they've filled that they've needed with the right guys too. I mean, these, a couple of these transfer guys, they're young, you know, so we've got some time to, uh, to mold them and work with them and, and develop them the way that we've developed a lot of, uh, A lot of these guys that have come in through the transfer portal lately, and I think it's going to be great. I mean, I know we've still got all of this to look forward to this year and a a championship or an opportunity at a championship right in front of us, but I just can't help but feel like this is a team that's going to be even better next year, if that's possible. I feel so dirty because, like, I'm trying to, like, live in the moment and embrace these are the good
0: times, and, like, when you think back to, like, 2008 to 2010, how much it sucked and how much time we had to spend with our girlfriends and family just to distract ourselves (laughs) from football. Like These are the good times and I'm trying to just get a comprehensive view of it all, stay in the moment, but it's so hard not to peek into the future just a little bit.
1: Yeah, 100%, you know, I that that's how I felt like complaining about the 2023 recruiting class when we're undefeated, we'll finally have a quarterback that's slinging the ball, we're beating Ohio State and it's like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to be that guy that's like, yeah, but our recruiting class is a little lower than it should be, you know, so it is, it is nice and and Matt, I'm glad you brought up recruiting in the transfer portal because that that's actually, that's what had me saying Sheesh. this week. Because and, and it more specifically, I want to I want to give a sheesh to to Jim Harbaugh because this dude's putting in work. I see him. I saw him at like several recruits houses. We know that he's he's preparing for, uh, you know, one of the biggest games of his college football coaching career. And then I turn on the basketball game and there he is sitting right behind Juwan Howard. Like this dude is everywhere. He's putting in work. Uh, speaking of recruiting in the transfer portal, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some of these guys. Um, Andrew, of, of all of the, the people that we've landed out of high school and in the transfer portal over the past two weeks or so, uh, which one are you most excited about? Man, I
0: want to be more excited about uh, the Stanford lineman, Miles Hinton, Chris Hinton's brother, coming in with a lot of experience, a lot of beef to add to that offensive line to mitigate what we will, unfortunately, lose. But I I can't help but get caught up in the flash and the flare of Cole Cabana highlights. Like, those have been, like... Like primetime viewing. I put them up for my girlfriend. She gets kind of sick and annoyed by it. She's like, want to watch a Christmas movie? I'm like, no, I got Cabana highlights we're going to put on. Ready? (laughs) So (laughs) I've been just watching a ton of Cole Cabana, man. I'm so excited for him to join the backfield and just
1: add another dynamic element. And Matt, who are you
2: most excited about? I would say, I mean, I'm torn. I really love everything that they've been doing in the transfer portal so far. So I'm all over these transfer additions that they've been making. Ernest Hausman, I mean, played a ton last year for Nebraska as a freshman. Very highly touted recruit. I think that that guy is going to fill in nicely wherever they decide to put him. Also, the additions along the offensive line. Ladarius Henderson uh miles hinton uh both of those guys very highly touted as well i think uh they're gonna because i personally think that uh that we're gonna have some gaps to fill after this season you know along that offensive line so i'm just really loving everything that this michigan team is doing in the transfer portal this year i think that they've come at it even more aggressively than they have in the past uh, and I think that these, these players want to come to Michigan now. You know, they see that the, the development that's taking place for other transfer portals, for other transfer portal players from last year, Olu, Oluwatimi, um, et cetera, et cetera. But they want a piece of that. And, uh, these, these players and recruits are going to start realizing that Michigan is where they need to come to get that. And I agree with both of the names that you guys
1: brought up, you know, starting with Ernest Hausman. I I will admit when we play against teams, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the biggest, I'm not like uh, dissecting stat lines of the opposing teams, right? I'm looking obviously a lot more at the Michigan stats. So I I went back because I knew that, that we we played Nebraska this last year. And so I, I, I took a peek at that box score just to see, uh, how, you know, this This was a true freshman, Ernest Hausman, uh, playing against Michigan. And he had 10 tackles and a sack in that game against Michigan. And he was literally their best defender. It was probably his best game of the season. And so y- you have to think that that's probably what got Harbaugh and the boys looking at him in the first place. And, man, it is good to see a kid transfer to Michigan uh, that... that is not a grad transfer right like that's what i wanted to see i wanted to see uh players that that because that's what it's free agency now right like that's what we're dealing with it's very it's very similar to like an nfl free agency type situation and in order to compete we're going to have to be able to go out and get freshmen sophomores and juniors um as far as cole cabana goes i think the three of us need to make a pact right here right now on this podcast Let's just not ever tweet at a recruit about the attractiveness of his mom. Oh, Jesus. Like, that's just not, you know, like, let's just not do that. Let's just agree that maybe, maybe that's a little bit across the line. And of course, I'm referring to uh, Josh Josh
0: Gattis. Gattis. No, No, not
1: Josh Gattis. We're not going to go there.
0: We're not going to go there.
1: But uh, you know, I, I don't know if you guys saw this. Cole Cabana had to turn off his his uh, comments on one of his tweets because uh, uh, you know mostly Michigan fans were were commenting about about his uh, beautiful mother. God, just stop being horny on the main, guys. Go outside, something,
2: <laughs> please. <laughs> it's like we I want think it's this. safe to say, uh, Mike, that we'll make that pack. Don't worry. Yeah. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like we
1: want these guys to come come to our school, right? Like let's let's go ahead and uh, you know be complimentary, but not but not cross that line. Family members are are off limits. Uh, all right. I mean, it, and of course, uh, in other recruiting news, the number one uh, 2024 quarterback uh, just decommitted from the Ohio State Buckeyes. How about that? God, it feels so good just for them to, like, understand
0: what real life is like. And one of the underlying factors here is the kid's dad, I believe, is the O-line coach at Nebraska and was retained by Matt Rule. So all indications are he's going to go there. But, I mean, enemy of my enemy is a friend. So for for Nebraska to do this to Ohio State, I love it. I love watching Buckeye
1: Twitter and shambles any chance I get. Absolutely. Let's move on to a segment that we like to call What's the Deal? Uh, what's the Deal is pretty self-explanatory. It gives us an opportunity to ask, what's the deal about something going on in college football or sports in general? Um, I'm going to go ahead and lead this one off because I'm, I feel un- unnecessarily passionate about this very small detail that I noticed yesterday. Uh, Michigan basketball played... Lipscomb of all schools I'm not I'm not super familiar with Lipscomb but their mascot is the Bisons with an s on the end of it Well bison bis, <laughs> bison is already it's already a plural word right bison is a plural word you're supposed to be an institution of higher learning and you're calling your team the the Bisons which is t- grammatically incorrect Lipscomb Bisons What is the damn deal?
2: (laughs) I love that. Uh, I I love that. What's the deal? And I honestly, (laughs) I'm going to piggyback off of your what's the deal and uh, just say Michigan basketball, what's the deal, right? Because to be so competitive against this Lipscomb Bisons team, I mean, I I get that, uh, that we're seeing a lot of improvement, but... Just got to see a little bit more defense out of this Michigan squad. Uh, not really happy with a, with a lot of the effort I've been seeing thus far and and playing down to the level of some of these other teams when they've shown that they can rise to the occasion, you know what I mean, and blow teams out in the first half and and do what they need to do. Um, so Michigan basketball, what's the deal against these Lipscomb Bisons?
0: by it it, i didn't even catch that last night that they had an s at the end of bison like that is that is just (laughs) absurd and uh i'll have an answer for matt's uh segment there later on
1: yeah so uh i tell you what andrew what had you uh saying what's the deal this week Dude, like what
0: the hell is going on with like recruiting? Like I know I'm not the smartest or most handsome in the world, but like I'm looking at these recruiting rankings and I see like Miami's really high up there and other schools like this. And it's, like, have we not learned our lesson that like in years? Like I understand they can give you a nice big nil bag now. I understand Miami's a hell of a place to be, but it's like. They're not good at football. If you watched them this year? They were not a well-coached team. So I know Crystal Ball can sell people a dream and everything they want. And you'll see other schools higher in the rankings, too, that just never follow through, like Texas. Like, Steve Sarkeesian has been wildly mid, and they're still just bringing in five-star and four-star after another. And I don't understand, like, what we have to do to get it through some of these recruits' head that, like, you are going to go here and struggle because this is a struggling program, a middling program, and they have been for the better part of the 21st century.
1: Well, yeah, leave it to uh, seventeen and eighteen year olds to make poor, poor life choices, right? I mean, God, yeah, you, you dangle money in front of their face, and a lot of them are going to do that. And you know, I have a good friend of mine, and he uh, he he really compared this to NFL contracts. How you how traditionally you see players play their best ball when they're they're working to earn the contract, and then once they get the bag, uh, typically you sometimes you see a drop off in play. Um, psychologically with with high school recruits it might be the same thing right not not only does that happen but then what you referenced right some of these programs are just mismanaged and dysfunctional because of the way that they're approaching this off the field as well as on the field Um, I would much rather be in Michigan's position where maybe some of these initial rankings are a little lower uh, but that you know, the Texas A&Ms, the Michigan States, the Miamis of the world, they're, start, you know, they're handing out money, they're, they're falling in the rankings, they're not looking very good. I mean, that can't be fun to be a fan of that program, and it really can't be fun to be a player of that program either, even if you do have a little bit of money in your pocket.
0: It's, that's, that's what I'm screaming, man. Like I understand the money's appealing, but just look at Texas A&M from last year's class. They had the best recruiting class of all time and couldn't even make a bowl game. So, I mean, it just doesn't always directly translate. It's going to take time. Good culture is going to beat out good talent any day of the week, as you see what's happening at Michigan now. So anytime now that Jim Harbaugh, like, picks up a three-star, like a a Mason Graham or somebody like that, you just know that deep down there's talent there to be unveiled.
1: Yeah, very well said. Uh, Let's move on to basketball a little bit. I mean, hell, we, you know, we got to see a basketball game this week, uh, which was nice um we won the game it was yeah like kind of like Matt referenced earlier it was uh a little bit rough to watch but uh for for me there were a few things that stuck out that that felt really good what one was Kobe Bufkin was draining shots I mean he he's been long and athletic he's been looking good on defense he's been um uh, you know I would say probably our third best player this season all year but him and Jalen Llewellyn before Llewellyn got hurt we're we're just atrocious from behind the arc, and uh, Kobe's starting to heat up a little bit. He he was four of five from three, eight of nine. Uh, you know, scored twenty twenty two points total in the game, and then a little Dougie Fresh Doug McDaniel had a had a real quiet game again he, after his breakout performance last week his first start. You know, his first start in in, in history as a freshman. Um, Started off a little slow in this game, but then he ended up scoring, I don't know, it was like six or seven of the last nine or ten points for Michigan to ice the game. So those were the guys that stood out to me. Um, Matt, what did you think of the game uh, last night,
2: and and what kind of stuck out to you? Well, you know, I think, um, and I hate to just keep beating the Doug McDaniel drum, but I do feel like having Doug McDaniel uh, running point on this team makes things a lot better for for the way that this team is structured you know he's fast he's quick he gets things done on the court in the way that in a way that his other teammates are not able to and he he's able to facilitate plays in that way so i really like what he brings to i i really look at him and kind of think of him as uh xavier simpson kind of you know with his ability to create space and and things like that and open things up for this team I just, I'd like to see more defensively out of, uh, out of this Wolverine squad. And, you know, that's something that they've struggled with, in my opinion, since Jawan Howard has taken over. It's almost like we talked, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Mike, but it's almost like Jawan Howard and John Beeline are like good in totally different areas than the other one was. So for all the the watchers that fell in love with those John line teams of the last decade, they're they're kind of I, I consider myself like a huge John line team fan. You know what I mean? They're hungering for a lot of that stuff that those Beeline teams were really good at. And I think that uh, that all of that stuff is what's holding us back right now. Yeah, Andrew, did you watch the game? i did yeah
0: i was able to catch it over on big 10 plus it was kind of a strange viewing experience but um let frisky team man they have great guards will pruitt's a baller he had 27 in this one and i i, I love your point about uh doug doug mcdaniel michael like that was it's it's 100 right you look at the box score the naked eye says seven points but if you watch the game it was him closing this thing out for michigan when it was hanging in the balance he took over and it was great to see from a young guy. Kobe Buffkin continues to ascend. What I loved about him early in the year was he was finding ways to impact the game, even when his shot wasn't falling. That's what Llewellyn couldn't do. Kobe Buffkin was finding a way to get chased down offensive rebounds, hustle a little more on switch. He was just doing little things. And now the scoring is catching up with his effort. I mean, he is just going to continue to get better all season. Uh, the one thing I did hate about this game was, oh, the free throw shooting 14 of 23. And somehow it felt worse. Like that, that is, is I'll never understand free throw disparity between college or professional athletes. And, I don't understand why they're not better at just getting these freebies because if Michigan makes five more of those early in the game, I think this, this score is even more inflated at the end of it.
1: Yeah, I'm a little worried that uh, Terrace Reed is is entering hack shack territory with his free throw shooting. I mean, Dear the, the, God. Dude. The dude looks like uh, he's playing beer pong out there. You know, his hand, his hands are so big. I'm just like, he gets to the free throw line and I'm just like, it's going to be a miracle if this thing goes in, because I, I think he, I've only seen him make like one free throw all year. I'm sure. I'm sure he's made more than that, but that that's one thing as a former basketball player myself and a, in a pretty good free throw shooter. That's, that's one thing that always kind of grinds my gears is when guys can't step to the line and, and hit free throws. And, and then you you also mentioned, uh, Andrew, a little bit of what, what what was killing me was, you know, these guys are, were frisky and they were getting to the basket, but then you, like these little back cuts and, and uh, like you said, Matt, a John Beeline team doesn't let these guys get in the lane and get mm-hmm. easy layups like that. And you look at the total assists for the game, Lipscomb had 14, Michigan had nine. It's like, I, I know they had a little different style of play than us, but we can't be letting uh, a smaller school like that, that like that out assist us. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and make, make a recommendation to Jawan Howard. And I I hate when guys act like they know better than the coaching staff, but I mean, here I am, you know, we're talking about sports. I'm just going to go ahead and act like I know better than the coaching staff. Um, I didn't like his rotation. Um, I haven't for, for a few games. And here's what I don't like about it. I love that they're getting guys like isaiah barnes and and yo yo uh minutes, but you gotta be careful about how and when you do that right because especially when yo- yo was in in the second half and and it was like an eight or nine point game. the game was still in question. It felt like Jawan was just trying to get him some minutes, see what he could do and but then the the lead shrunk from eight or nine to uh Lipscomb taking the lead and I just don't think you need to, in a game that's still in question, I don't think you need to open up the rotation quite that much. Get these guys some minutes with with some games that might be out of line where we we got, you know, a 15, 20-point lead. Um, And I'm not saying don't use your bench players. I think that the bench players that make sense to use are Joey Baker, uh, Jace Howard, and Terrace Reed, right? There's your eight-man rotation, the five starters and those three guys. Uh yo yo Isaiah Barnes some of these other guys like I understand you're trying to get them involved but when a game is still on the line uh you got to let your playmakers and the guys that are comfortable playing get out there and play and uh specifically I I would do something that would be a little untraditional and kind of controversial and I I want to get your take on this guys I would actually start Jace Howard over Terrence Williams and I I'm not saying that I think Jace Howard is a a better ball player than, than Terrence Williams. But I think Terrence Williams would be an ideal uh, money off the bench kind of guy, come in there and be strong. And and what Jace Howard gives you is he's a glue guy. He's got a big frame. He's high energy. He rebounds. He dives for balls. I think that's what the starting core is kind of missing. And if you got Jace Howard in there with Hunter Dickinson, Doug McDaniel, Kobe, Jet Howard, of course, uh, I I think we would see these games uh unfold a little bit differently what do you guys think about that that's a that's a really interesting thought i actually love that wrinkle at first when you
0: said it i was kind of against it but the more you elaborated on you kind of won me over with that and uh to your first point about juwan's rotation he always screws around early in the year like last year Adrian Nunez was like sixth or seventh man at times, and I was like, "What the hell are we? This isn't a TikTok channel. Like, we don't need to feature <laughs> this guy prominently out here." But then eventually, he like tightens it up, and is sure, and like eventually, Nunez just didn't play at all down the stretch. But so that's kind of weird. I appreciate like the balls on Howard to just be like, "Yeah, we'll put him in here. We'll blow it. We'll still find a way to win." But uh, I am with you that though. The Jace Howard coming in there would bring a lot of good defensive intensity, kind of help set the tone early on uh bring a piece to the Michigan team that they really just don't have like i get, i understand it would hurt the spacing a little bit because he's not the shooter that uh Terrence Williams is but still he's bringing something that the starters don't have out there and that's the defensive intensity and then you can bring in Terry in the second team and just kind of feature him more let him score let him get going let him initiate some of the offense like we're already not a good rebounding team so i don't understand like how much it would hurt us even further if we replace Terrence Williams with Jace Howard Matt,
2: good idea, bad idea. What do you think? I honestly love it. You know, um, Terrence Williams, he hasn't been one of my favorites this year. Um, you know, I was hoping to see, I think, more of a step from him this year as opposed to uh, to where he was at last year, but I just haven't seen it. So I think, to your point, I think throwing Jace Howard in there, getting him some meaningful minutes, it could be something that – I. either way, I think that this – Wolverine team they're just a notch away from figuring out what's going to work perfectly for them but but you're right you know Jawan he messes around too much with that lineup at the <clears throat> when and when there's meaningful minutes involved in the game and Jace Howard might be able to bring something that uh, T Will can't and it, and it's also about
1: T Will too it, you know the one thing that I think he's been lacking this year is a little bit of hunger Right. He's like falling away from the basket, throwing up fadeaways, kind of lackadaisical. And, you know, I just feel like maybe a move like that makes him a little bit a little bit hungrier because, you know, his progression from last year to this year reminds me of like a Brandon Johns progression. It's like, come on, like like we like we thought we were going to get that next level of T-Will. And so I absolutely love the guy. I'm not criticizing him. I just think I think mixing it up like that uh, could could help a little bit, but um how you guys feeling about uh north carolina we've got unc coming up uh, against virginia kentucky we we tended to play our best ball Uh, even though we lost those games we played up to the competition uh unc just beat ohio state this week um how are you guys feeling about our chances uh, in that game andrew i'll start with you there i I feel great this michigan team i mean they just show the signs of a young,
0: inexperienced team by always playing to the level of their competition. I mean, besides the outlier performance against Arizona State, which is a complete outlier offensively and defensively, Michigan's competitive against everybody. They just raise their game or lower their game. And with North Carolina, it's a fun matchup. Uh, they finally got back in the win column of a dramatic overtime victory over Ohio State yesterday. So, I mean, shout out to them for beating Ohio State. Always love to see that. Uh, But this is a team that's kind of been on the ropes a little bit this year. They fell out of the rankings. They've dealt with some injuries to Armando Baycott. Uh, This is a matchup where Doug McDaniel won't be exploited because R.J. Davis of Carolina is about the same size. So this is a really fun matchup of two teams still figuring it out early in the season. And Michigan kind of owes them one because they kicked our ass last year in Chapel Hill.
1: Yeah, yeah, Matt, what do you think? we Are going to beat the Tar Heels?
2: I honestly I feel really good about our chance of beating the Tar Heels. This Michigan team, they will play to their level of competition. I don't even think uh UNC is uh I, I they've shown that they they can be beaten this year by uh, by other teams that they've played. So I think that Michigan will find a way to steal one against the Tar Heels and uh it'll it'll earn a lot of respect back. It's kind of funny. I unintentionally
1: just walked all over my own pump the brakes segment to wrap up the show here. So uh, let's move on to pump the brakes. Uh, pump the brakes is an opportunity for us to each give a take. Um, and if if you disagree with that take, what, you, what you'll say is pump the brakes and we'll all hear. Or, of course, if you agree with the take, we'll go ahead and just say keep driving. Now, what I, what I meant by uh walking all over the segment is my my pump the brakes was actually uh Michigan basketball will beat North Carolina the defending uh national run, runner up North Carolina Tar Heel so we already talked about that you guys kind of, it's, it sounds like you guys are both kind of pulling for the same thing and agree with me so uh, we'll go ahead and breeze right past that we're 3 for 3 North Carolina is going down um Mr Hartwell uh give me your
2: spicy take for this week I think, you know, and it, I don't know how spicy it is exactly. And I'm very, like, honestly scared of this coming to fruition. But I believe after another, um, Joe Moore award from this offensive line that we're probably going to see, I mean, anywhere from three to four offensive linemen that, uh, that we're losing after this season, which, which kind of scares me. You know, I know, uh, Keegan has come out and said that there, there was the thing where he, uh, where he said to Cade, see you in the, the Nash or the Big Ten championship next year or something. But I think that, uh, these are all guys that are earning a lot of credibility, a lot of, a lot of older guys, you know. So my fear is that, uh, that we're going to lose about four of these offensive linemen come draft time. So I'm hoping one of you guys will pump the brakes on me on that. But what are you guys thinking? I I tell you what, I'm going to cut right in. Andrew, let me show you how
1: this is is done here on the Big House Bleachers podcast. Matt, pump the brakes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And here's what I'm (laughs) pumping
1: the brakes on. I'm not pumping the brakes necessarily on the fact that we're going to lose linemen. I I know we are. I, I... I don't have the depth chart in front of me, so I, I don't know the three, four, five. I'm, I, I'm not exactly sure. Some of them are going to go pro. That's fine. What I'm pumping the brakes on is your, your fear and hesitation and cowardice around <laughs> this, around this uh, conversation. Dude, we got linemen for days. Come on, man. We're like next man up. We're going to be fine. We're, not only are we D-line you, I think we're O-line you now. We're just going to be line you moving forward. Yeah, <laughs> this this is no time for fear. We have Sharon Moore at the helm of
0: this thing. He's gonna figure it out. I mean, I'm sure he could plug one of us in at guard and get some valuable minutes out of us. So, and, <laughs> and, and again, the depth has been building. You have all the transfers coming in. I have just complete and utter faith in the offensive line coaching staff. I so
2: love it. I uh, love that so, you guys pumped the brakes on me on that. I gotta give give Andrew
1: a little car screech here too because he gave you an area. <laughs> I, That's a double pump the brakes uh, for you, Matt. But uh, I appreciate you bringing that up, and I understand where you're coming from. But no, we're going to be fine on the O-line. Andrew, do you have a hot take for us this week? I do, and you're going to have to bear with me for a
0: second. Let me get the full point out there before you just pump the brakes on me a couple syllables in. But Michigan basketball is better this year than last year. Like how quickly we forget. Last year, this team was seven and five before January 1st, 19 and 15 overall. And of those first five losses, it included a monumental collapse against Seton Hall and then double digit losses to Arizona, North Carolina, Minnesota, and central Florida. Things were awful at times with this uh, unit last year. Devontae Jones is the most mayonnaise player I've ever seen. Like no one really likes mayonnaise, but if it's on your team, you're like, I guess this is fine. No one loved fouling people 30 feet from the basket more than Devontae Jones. So anything Doug McDaniel is bringing is better than that. Uh, the shooting is becoming more balanced, is already more balanced this year than last year when it was just Eli Brooks and really Hunter Dickinson chucking the ball up there because everybody else was just so wildly inconsistent at times. Hunter's better this year. Kobe's ascending. Jet is the best player on either team because Caleb Houston is about as aggressive as like a neutered kitten. So he wasn't going to give you much <laughs> driving to the rim or anything like that. I get it. The defense sucked on both teams. It's like, unfortunately becoming a staple of Jawan Howard teams. He seemed to really over, like, compensate for the shooting in the offseason this year and just didn't really practice anything defensively. So hopefully that improves. It can't get much worse. But this team is still miles ahead of where Michigan was this time last season. They're competitive in every game, like, all by one. But I just really like the future of this team, the way they're coming together now. And there's just too many good pieces and too much Jet Howard existing for me to completely be out on them.
1: Yeah, Matt,
2: are you pumping the brakes on that? I'm honestly after, you know, I was kind of uh, I was kind of behind that uh, point at first. But after he explained it, you know, it, it makes sense. I might keep driving on that. One. Let's go. <laughs> Well, you know, Andrew, you did such a good job selling
1: it uh, that I th- I think I'm gonna keep driving. Uh, you're right. I I might have pumped the brakes early, but then I started to think about it. You know, you you brought up Devonte being the most mayonnaise player ever. Then uh, Caleb Houston's got to be like the barbecue sauce on the McRib, right? <laughs> right? Like like exactly. like that dude because that dude was disgusting. And I, I by the way, I I love and support all players. I'm not I'm not out here trying to blast any. Any uh, college athlete, but uh, I Caleb Williams was, was, I mean, I'm sorry, Caleb Houston was, uh, just a tough watch for me last year. I, I really was kind of, kind of glad, glad and surprised to see him get drafted. Um, so yeah, that's a keep driving for me. Um, you didn't get, you know, we're just being nice since it's your first time on the pod. We'll, we'll pump, <laughs> we'll pump the brakes on you next time, I guess, but uh, I tell you what, guys, you know, we made pretty good time here and, and uh, we're about to wrap up. And I just I want to take a moment to just uh, thank you, Andrew, for for hopping on, carving out some time um, in your weekend. And, and uh, you know, it, it, we just really appreciate having your perspective and, and you fit right in. So thank you very much for joining uh, the Big House Bleachers pod this week.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. You do an excellent job here. This is one of my favorite Michigan podcasts I listen to. Uh, Have me back anytime, man. I'm always down to talk ball with you guys.
1: Heck yeah. Matt, are the Lions going to win today? I know you're you're always watching these
2: Lions, man. They got the Jets this week. Dude, the Lions are going to win every one of their games for the remainder of uh, the regular season. I will say that. (laughs) That's my optimism for the day. And uh, where can people find you uh, on Twitter, Matt? They can find me on my Twitter handle, at Maze Crusader. Um, or they can catch me with any of the guys over at Maze and Brew, uh, who actually, Andrew, I'm just publishing your piece on Facebook right now about Max Bredesen. <laughs> <laughs> that's my boy. I love Max Bredesen.
1: <laughs> oh, heck yeah, man. The Bredesen's a good Michigan family, that's for sure. And, and Andrew, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me over at mazenbrew.com
0: along with Matt. He's doing excellent, excellent work there across all of our social media channels. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at umandrewb. I'm publishing around six or seven pieces of written content, uh, one or two podcasts. Uh, I said, big interview coming up on Tuesday. Be sure to check out that. And uh, next week I'll be off the grid for a little bit and going to St. Lucia. Got to take the girlfriend out for some time. She's been putting up with me all football season, uh, but I'll be back uh, right after the TCU game and hopefully gearing up for a national championship.
1: Heck yeah. And, and uh, you guys can find me. I'm, I, you know, I'm Michael Smeltzer. You guys can find me on Twitter at Wolverine Cron. I also have a website, wolverinechronicle.com. Just please don't Google my criminal background. You, you don't want to see any of that. Um, That's it for the Big House Bleachers podcast, episode 12. Uh, It was my pleasure. and, And as always, go blue. Go blue.